This is episode 362 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are 9 Foolproof Ways to Encourage Your Stubborn Friends to Start Prepping and 74 Uses for a Bandana. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information, you can click on the link in the show notes or come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. This evening, as I was preparing for the podcast and uh, just, you know, looking over Twitter and, and trying to stay aware of what's going on, you know, read uh, some sad stories, right? So uh, a sheriff was, uh, uh, well, it was an AP report. Sheriff is stating eight people died after a Missouri tourist boat accident. And then there's other people that were hurt. And, uh, you know, saw that come across Twitter, uh, saw uh, the fact that, you know, there's pop-up tornadoes that are destroying neighborhoods in central Iowa. There was a, uh, a link to a Zero Hedge report or, or a article on uh, the opioid epidemic is just, uh, just going crazy. They're expecting for 2017 that 49,000 people will die from opioid uh from overdoses and that's just that's just crazy and so you know it just goes to let us know or just a reminder that you know shtf can happen in so many different ways we always talk about that big event that 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 could happen but there's people there's parents there's of uh or there's uh family members of people who are going to overdose overdose on opioids and and you know we don't we don't know why they're 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 taking that. Maybe they start off as fun. Maybe they're trying to get away from problems in their life. Who knows? But there's family members that are going to be affected. There's family members that are going to be affected from this uh, tourist boat that uh, people have have uh, died. There's going to be you know homes that are lost because of tornadoes and things like that. And so that's always something to be you know to think about. That for someone that you know that that happens just in a matter of moments, SHTF can happen in a matter of moments, and it doesn't have to be the big uh, you know event that uh, sends the whole world into you know apocalypse. It can be in your own your very own life, right? And so that's one reason why we are we we get as prepared as we can, but there's other things that in life that just happen, and part of that is being prepared in in, in other ways as well. Um, being a minister and, and a Christian, uh, being spiritually prepared is, is one of those things that I always go to. That's probably, for me, that's more important than even being uh, you know, physically prepared, having gear and food and all those types of things. But anyway, I uh, just wanted to point that out because it's just like that overwhelming, just, wow, there, there are people today that are, and, and just like every other day, I'm not trying to say that this doesn't happen on a regular basis, it's just every single day there's someone who, you know, SHTF has happened. And, uh, you know, we, we need to remember that. And so we prep and, and we stay aware and we try our very best and we, we do what we can. But, uh, you know, to, to, well, to minimize all these issues that can happen. And so we, we try our very best. Uh, but, you know, keeping uh, our, our hearts 
out there realizing that someone is experiencing some great, great loss, uh, whatever that means. If that is family loss or if that is, you know, home loss, all different kinds of things, people losing their jobs and uh, all the other things that go out there. And so, you know, that's one reason why we try to stay as prepped and aware as possible and uh, get these things taken care of for our lives so that we can mitigate all these things that happen. All right. So, uh, you know, I just didn't want to start off the podcast in that, you know, that somber tone. But, uh, you know, just leave that leave that there. Leave that with you, I guess. And uh, moving on, um, this first article comes to us from survivalpedia.com. And when we talk about being prepared and we talk about the need to be prepared, uh, this is one of those articles that kind of help us a little bit because we want to get other people prepared. We believe in preparedness. We know that there is a lot of use for it. We know that it's the right thing to do, but we might have family members who are not prepared, people who don't believe in it. And this first article helps us to, it gives us some advice and some ways that we can go about uh, getting other people prepared and, and putting it out there. And so this one is entitled Nine Foolproof Ways to Encourage Your Stubborn Friends to Start Prepping. And so there's some good uh, advice here, good information. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Sometimes I think you don't get to earn the title of prepper until someone has called you paranoid and crazy to even worry about a major disaster scenario. This is just one of many reasons why having an open, honest conversation with friends about taking some common sense steps to safeguard themselves from short and long-term crisis situations can be difficult. On the other side of the equation, we as preppers do what we do precisely because we care about ourselves and our loved ones enough to have multiple plans of resources in place rather than pin all our hopes on FEMA or some other government agency taking care of us and responding adequately to manage a situation. As we have all seen in hurricanes, school shootings, terror events, volcanic eruptions, and much more, A well-meaning, well-funded government cannot always keep pace with emergency situations, let alone do what the average citizen can do with the right tools, trainings, and knowledge. Figuring out how to have a reasonable conversation with your friends about prepping is important for them as well as for you. Remember, the more people that are prepared for a major disaster, the better chance they won't panic or form mobs that will pose a risk to you and your family. One of the most important ways to get your friends interested in prepping is awakening them to what is going on around them. Sadly, many people today don't realize that politicians do all kinds of crazy things because people don't bother to talk to them or pay attention to what is going on. Absent input from the people, politicians will do what they think is right from a perspective of disbalance. Today, far too many people will go see a movie or do something else rather than go to municipal meetings to find out what is going on right under their noses. This, in turn, means that people are uninformed about just how bad municipal water is, increasing crime rates, and how limited emergency services are. In many cases, inviting your friends to attend municipal board meetings as a kind of fun outing may be just what is needed to wake them up. You would be amazed at how many people come out of these meetings shocked by what is going on as well as how little margin there is for emergency situations. It is also very important to attend any meetings that are accessible to the public offered by state and federal representatives. 
Never forget that they are there to serve you and in many cases will do their best as long as you tell them what needs to be done and how to do it. When you invite your friends, it gets them involved in the most important things everyone can do next to voting, actually taking part, investigating, and following up on what your leaders are doing. Typically, when friends start really looking at political activities, they also begin to think more seriously about what will happen in a major crisis. From there, it becomes much easier to talk about prepping and taking solid and reasonable steps to safeguard both life and property in a time of need. One of the fastest and easiest ways to make people aware that they need to start prepping is to talk about relevant short-term situations. For example, if you live in an area where blizzards are common, your friends might already do some prepping in the form of getting extra supplies a day or two before the storm is expected to hit. Talking to your friends about transportation, medical emergencies, and other matters during the storm is an easy way to begin expanding their insights and thoughts about making more intensive and permanent prepping plans. When talking with friends about short-term crisis events, it is very important to focus on things that they may not be giving much consideration. In the case of a blizzard, just about everyone knows to have extra food on hand, extra water, candles, flashlights, and enough medication to get by until the roads open back up. Here are some things your friends may be taking for granted that could cost their life. Failure to have secondary and tertiary heating resources available. If there is a bad time for the electricity or furnace to go out, it is during a blizzard. Aside from reminding your friends that it may be impossible for service personnel to reach them, desperation can lead to even bigger problems. For example, people have been known to bypass the emergency shutoff systems on oil burners only to wind up setting their homes on fire. Others have panicked and tried to start fires in a single room only to wind up with lung injuries from smoke inhalation. This whole situation changes when people have two or even three backup systems and plans in place that will keep them warm until it's possible to restore the main heating system. Some useful tools and items include candle heaters, learning how to make a tent in the middle of a room, the best blankets for retaining body heat, how to make and deploy tin can heaters to reduce wear and tear on the main heating system. The less you use it, the less chance it has of breaking down. Developing and using compost piles for heat and the usage of energy-dense foods as opposed to simply buying whatever is available a few days before the storm hits. Failure to consider hygiene. This is easily one of the most overlooked items in just about every prepping plan. No matter whether your friends use well water or municipal water, the loss of a reliable flow of water at the tap can spell disaster for personal and household hygiene. Among other things, your friends may not have even considered buying antibacterial wipes and water-free washing supplies. It is also very important to discuss purchasing paper plates and disposable utensils. Even though your friends may remember to purchase foods that can be eaten direct from a can or package, dirty forks, knives, and spoons can and will lead to the development of bacterial buildup in the mouth and gums. Sadly, simply wiping a utensil with an antibacterial wipe may not take the place of a vigorous washing and rinsing in good hot water and good quality soap. In case you were wondering, I'm not a germaphobe. However, I do believe in taking precautions to keep as many bugs at bay as possible. Managing boredom. 
It may not seem like a big deal insofar as meeting the basic needs of survival. However, when you are bored, that is when you are most inclined to get into projects or occupations that lead to injury. It is best to have at least one or two projects on hand that don't require electricity or anything that you can get hurt with. For example, even in the worst blizzard, you are likely to have light during the day hours. A few books or magazines can help you pass the time. It does not matter whether you decide to go back over old favorites or save some something new that might appeal to you. First aid and illness. Even if your friends know enough to keep extra medicine on hand, they may not have checked their first aid kits in years. It is also very important to have some basic first aid skills. For managing sudden illnesses during a blizzard or problems that develop even in normal circumstances, an advanced knowledge of first aid and emergency medical care are very important. In fact, if you can't get your friends to consider political meetings as an outing, your next effort should be aimed at first aid and emergency medical training. If your friends say they took a course years ago or they think they know enough, remind them that a refresher course never hurts, especially with all the new tools and information available to consumers. If you are a new prepper, then you may already be very aware of all the laws being made to prevent you from doing important things such as unfettered access, ownership, and usage of guns and weapons on par with what criminals and terrorists may have, water capture and storage, storage of large caches of food and water, generation of electricity using home-based methods and means, unfettered maintenance and usage of small-sized communication transmitters, gardening on the front lawn or other parts of the property, preventing the spraying of pesticides and herbicides on your property by others, unfettered building or adding onto existing buildings in order to meet your prepping needs, owning, maintaining, and using older vehicles that are EMP-proof. When people aren't interested in prepping or think it is weird, they don't realize how much danger they are in from excessive government oversight. As a case in point, Look at what is going on in Flint, Michigan and the water crisis. If you do some research, it is likely you will find that the people of Flint had municipal water literally shoved down their throats. Not only are people in large cities forced to pay for water, they are often not allowed to capture it for themselves. With the passage of time, people forget or lose interest in learning how to purify water as well as how to store it properly. Today, hundreds of innocent men, women and children are getting sick and dying because of these laws, yet no one talks about the consequences of preventing people from going off the grid or deciding not to take part in municipal utilities. Even if your friends don't understand this problem in relation to gun rights, there is a chance they will empathize with the problems ongoing in Flint. Once they find out what kind of pollutants are in their own municipal water, you can hope they will begin fighting alongside you to get rid of these and other laws that harm preppers and sound self-sufficiency agendas. One of the best ways to encourage your friends to think seriously about prepping is to lead by example. There are probably many people in your community that need help with all different kinds of things. Taking someone shopping, helping to fix a broken door, or getting involved in other activities is a way to show your friends that being able to manage emergencies and problems is always a good thing. Here are some things that your friends will see even if you don't say a word about prepping while you go about your activities. Your friends will notice that you have a sense of confidence that makes it possible for you to achieve things others cannot seem to manage. 
This is something very important in a crisis, especially if your friends know they are inclined to panic or have a hard time dealing with unforeseen circumstances. And guys, I just wanted I wanted to comment on that one because the more you're you're involved in something, the more you are familiar with an issue and a topic and and uh, what gear, what whatever, the more confident you are. And so that's so very true uh, about preparedness. All right, moving on. Your friends will notice that you have a sense of freedom and independence that makes it possible to enjoy life and live in a positive and healthy way. Given the way everyone these days has a concern about others spying on them or Big Brother, sticking its nose and laws into everything, there is a deep longing for the days when it was possible to walk free and be free. The ability to help others and oneself brings with it a sense of independence that others will want for themselves. Your friends will recognize the fact that prepping isn't some activity carried out by paranoid people. Rather, it is a way of life and series of activities that one can be proud of because it means you have valuable life skills and the ability to cope with all kinds of disaster scenarios. No matter whether you have just a few friends that you would like to encourage towards prepping or several dozen, giving relevant gifts is an ideal way to get started. Given the different kinds of survival gear available on the market these days, you are sure to find something that will appeal to everyone on your list. For example, if you have a friend that has a major addiction to their cell phone, consider buying them an accessory that detects nuclear radiation. All right, and so you know, guys, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say buy them uh, a charger that they can carry and put in their purse or back pocket or, or their bag so that if their phone does go dead or it loses charge, uh, they can charge it up really quick. All right, moving on. Um, there are also kinds of radios, solar-powered devices, and other gadgets for people that love tech gadgets. Needless to say, if you have friends that love the outdoors, a good quality tactical knife, flashlight, or some other gear might be suitable. For friends that are moving to a new home, getting married, or going away to college, there are many other suitable gifts. This includes candle heaters, project kits for building windmills, solar-powered coffee cups, planners with multiple medicinal herb plants in them, and books and information related to cutting the cost of electricity and other utilities. Today, many people are frightened and intimidated into not talking about, let alone giving gifts related to self-defense. On the other side of the equation, if you have 10 friends that are women, at least two of them will be raped or sexually abused at some point in their lives. There is no harm in giving your female friends gift certificates for self-defense classes as well as ones for stores where they can buy guns or other tools suitable for self-defense. If your female friends already have guns, then this may be a perfect time to offer a prepaid day at the range or invite them to some other activity where they can practice using their guns and gain some additional encouragement and support to carry at every opportunity. And guys, I think, uh, you know, doing something like pepper spray and uh, a, a good whistle are good uh, little you know, things to add for, for women to have if you're not doing the, the firearm thing. All right, moving on. As a prepper, there are bound to be areas of expertise that you can easily teach others about. No matter whether you excel in getting things to grow in containers, have a knack for repurposing old junk, or have a lot of experience with water capture or power generation, there's no harm in leading seminars in your local area. When you organize a seminar, here are some things to keep in mind for the degree's best success. Try to match your seminar choice with the season and any 
short-term disaster scenario that might occur soon. For example, early spring in the middle states is a good time to talk about prepping for a tornado and making sure that family members know where to meet up if a disaster occurs. Have qualified speakers present. If you are interested in giving a seminar on first aid, see if you can get some first responders in your area to come in and provide hands-on training. Always include some way for participants to practice their skills or build something that will be of use to them. For example, if you are interested in teaching people how to harness solar power, you could always lead a class on how to build a tin can heater or something else that requires relatively little in the way of materials, supplies, and tools. Try to include at least one seminar on repurposing plastic or other items that people usually throw away. Combining something like regrowing garlic or other vegetable scraps in milk jugs may draw people, as will seminars, where people can learn how to make rope out of plastic bags. Always end the seminar with an invitation to learn something else that you may be interested in teaching about. The topics don't necessarily have to be relevant to each other. However, they should be relevant to cutting current household costs and prepping for major emergencies. More than a few preppers feel that it is never a good thing to let other people know your plans, let alone what kind of things you have in your stockpile. On the other side of the equation, there are plenty of community-based projects that everyone can get involved in that will be of benefit to everyone. Here are just a few things that every community needs to be thinking about, and taking care of that won't give away anything insofar as personal prepping plans. Nuclear safety bunkers. There can and should be a move in every town to have underground nuclear bunkers that are well stocked. This isn't just about foreign parties lobbing bombs at the United States. This is about nuclear power plants that may wind up emitting dangerous levels of radiation for one reason or another. A group of concerned people can purchase a piece of property, build the bunkers, and stock them so that all members of the project can go there in time of need. Food production and gathering, even though it is slow going, inner city neighborhoods are slowly adopting ideas such as growing foods on city rooftops, planting fruit trees on city streets, and turning abandoned lots into community gardens. If you live in an area where there is space to grow food, now it's the perfect time to get your friends together and bring these issues up at local board meetings. Community-based power generation. This is another area where people can work together to buy land and put up windmills, solar panels, or other devices that will generate electricity. It should also be noted that property used for growing foods can also be used for creating geothermal heating and cooling systems. Rather than let your city planners continue to spend money on all kinds of expenses, accounts, raises, and other perks, you can demand they put the money towards installing these geothermal systems and make it possible for people to make use of them. Never forget that the people you elect are spending your hard-earned tax dollars. Now it's the time to demand they do something with that money that gives you and everyone else the best chance possible to build a sustainable community that can and will survive a major disaster. Over the years, I've had more than a few people ask me about what made me join the prepper movement. Some people said they would never become preppers, only to slowly begin drifting in that direction, while others were already thinking about making at least some preparations for small-scale emergencies. When it comes to answering this question, there is no right answer other than the truth. 
For example, in my case, I started off early on in life with a keen interest in power generating and power saving gadgets. I didn't see that as prepping at the time any more than I did interest in learning how to can foods, sew clothes, grow a garden, tend farm animals, hunt, make medicinal wines, or fix a car. Each of these skills were common in my family or community, so I didn't see them as prepper skills. I just saw them as part of daily life. Chances are, if you look back, you can also think of hobbies or skills that you learn that now serve you well as a prepper. The moment that you become a prepper is when you look at everything around you and assess it for use in the disaster scenario. For items that are of no practical use, you may begin to think about which ones have the most sentimental value and can be easily carried. Depending on your experiences, the defining event may have been a major tragedy like 9-11 or surviving a hurricane in a FEMA camp or hearing about numerous other disasters that family members or loved ones were involved in. Regardless of your reason for becoming a prepper, consider it a plus when stubborn friends that want nothing to do with it ask you this question. Even if they say this wouldn't be enough to convert them into a prepper, at least they are thinking about situations and what would make them reconsider living without good quality plans, materials, and tools required for living through a social collapse scenario. The sad reality is unless people want to do something, there is no changing them to take action. While there are many studies done on the psychology of motivation and behavior shaping, people will eventually get free of manipulation tactics and go their own way. As much as you may feel tempted to try these kinds of tactics, in the end it can turn against you. It is better to let people find their own way and to see for themselves rather than do the work for them. This can be very frustrating, especially when personal rights and liberties are at stake. On the other side of the equation, even groups of people that have been heavily brainwashed can suddenly break free and turn on those that deceive them. In these cases, prayer works miracles far more often than psychobabble and other assorted games. At first glance, you may not think there is much value finding ways to increase the number of people engaging in prepper activities. Realistically speaking, the more people that are able to handle an emergency, the fewer there are to turn into rioters or pawns for powerful people that may use them against you. Given the way laws are changing these days to prevent people from prepping, making sure that pro-prepper candidates get elected is also very important. This is something that requires a community that cares about this topic, as well as ones that are committed to seeing this movement grow in progress. All right, guys, I think it was a great article here, kind of long, a lot of uh, information to uh, to give you some ideas of reaching out to those family members and friends and, and maybe being a little uh, a little bit more open about it. I know that people, when I have talked to people about prepping, and I've talked about, you know, just wanting to take care of, you know, my family and stuff like that. Well, people, their eyes are like, yeah, they start nodding their head and they never want to be in a crisis situation and have their kids say, hey, I'm hungry or, hey, I, you know, I, I'd like to, uh, you know, what are we going to do about this? I'm scared, right? And I talked to other people back when we had chickens and I would bring up, you know, uh, having chickens and, and stuff like that. And I remember one person told me, well, I don't even, you know, I just, that's just the way I grew up, you know, and uh, I don't consider that prepping, but she started to see like, now I guess I can see that, uh, because, you know, she didn't live in a rural setting anymore. 
And it just, you know, it makes sense to people, you know, it, especially people that can critically think and, and they're able to take it beyond just, uh, you know, just at the words, at the point of where you're where you're talking. They can say, you know what, I have been in hurricanes before and uh, I did go to the store and it was completely wiped out or I did experience, you know, a blizzard on its way and the stores were completely empty and, you know, running out of power and freezing my tail off in my house, you know. And so people can can link back to some of those things. And and uh, so if you can talk about the practicality of it and then move from there, people will start to make the jumps, the the mental jumps into, okay, we need to think about this and go this way. And then once you start down the rabbit hole, it really begins to open up. And, you know, you might be new to prepping now and listening to this podcast. You might have hit it from iTunes or, or one of the other podcasting networks out there. And, uh, you, you know, maybe you just clicked on the, uh, maybe you did a search for a certain topic or whatever, and it popped up and, and your, your, your interest was, it was, you know, queued up and you're like, Hey, I want to listen to what, you know, whatever this podcast is about. And, uh, as you're listening, you're probably like, Hey, this, yeah, this does make a lot of sense about being prepared. And so we can be prepared for, you know, those basic emergencies. We can be prepared for the big, you know, big, big natural disaster and big events that, that, uh, can happen. And we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of that in the news with hurricanes and blizzards and fires and man, it just floods. It, it just goes on and on. So it does make sense to be prepared and it does make sense to open it up a little bit. Uh, I know preppers like to be a little bit more closed off, but a little bit as far as, you know, finding routes into talking about preparedness. And I, I like the municipality issue here going and, and staying up to date on what's going on in your, in, in your area and uh, allowing that to help people make the jumps. So guys, that's over at survivalpedia.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. All right, so earlier this week, I talked about uh, bandanas, and I talked about maybe going and, and pulling one of those articles that uh, is is in the archive that is like one of these you know humongous numbers, right? Like 74 uses for bandanas. And, uh, you know, these articles come out from time to time and sometimes they're not as high as 74. It'd be like, you know, 27 reasons or 27 uses for a bandana or 100 uses for this or whatever. And you have all these different, uh, you know, uh, types of articles written. But anyway, so I, I was thinking about this and on Fridays I do try to pull something from the archives. And so I found this one uh, over, over at survivalsullivan.com. And I believe this was posted on around 2015. And so, uh, again, 74 uses for a bandana. So I'm going to you know read these. Some of these are, you know, pretty obvious. Some of these are like, okay, I never thought about that. And some of these are like, really, that's kind of like a stretch, right? Uh, and I do, I do think there was one that was repeated. So it's really 73 uses for a, for a bandana. But, uh, you know, wh- what I wanted to say is, you can get the band. Actually, somebody said this in the comments. So there are bigger bandanas that you can get. I wanted to say, uh, I think they said, you know, look for the uh, the 27 by 27 inch bandanas versus the standard 21 by 21 uh, inch. And what I would say is you might want to even consider a Shema, right? And those are the, the, the big like, head scarfs or whatever that you see a lot of the times. 
but uh, you can easily use those as bandanas and they are not very expensive at all um, and you can do so much more with those and so uh, you might want to as you're as you're listening to this article here about the bandanas maybe even considering one of those and uh, purchasing one of those from Amazon uh, they really you know it really does make sense to have one in your bags uh, because it's just it's just uh, a, a good piece of gear that can be used in so many different ways and you'll you'll see it here as uh, I start reading so let me go ahead and jump right into this 74 uses for a bandana one of the things I like about prepping is that you get to use and play with survival items that have more than one use there are, in fact, many items with multiple uses, such as bleach, duct tape, tarps, paracord, and even tin cans. One of these items is the bandana, and that's the topic of today's article, which is why I'm going to give you dozens of survival-specific uses. In time, I'll probably add more, but feel free to add more yourself if you notice it's missing by leaving a comment at the end. So let's get on with these useful and sometimes weird bandana uses. Absorb sweat off your forehead and eyes while working, bugging out, or doing other exhausting survival activities. And guys, I'm not going to uh, to list every number here. As a breathing mask in dusty and dirty environments, during certain events such as sandstorms, house fires, wildfires, or riots, you're going to need something to filter the air you're breathing. When rioters are fighting law enforcement, the latter won't care if they spray tear gas in your direction. To them, you're just another bad guy in the crowd who needs to be put in his place. Of course, the moment you put the bandana on your face, you'll start looking like a bad guy. However, protecting yourself from poison gas is more important. If it's tear gas you're trying to protect yourself from, try soaking the bandana in lemon juice or apple cider vinegar before wearing it. It helps. All right, to protect your neck or the top of your head from the sun. Since the bandana is more compact and lightweight than a hat, it's a much better choice for your EDC kit, your get-home bag, or bug-out bag. In fact, I suggest you stock up on them because your loved ones may need a few as well. To camouflage your face, you may need more than one on hand. Plus, you can take this strategy one step further and consider which colors will help you better blend in the environment. Number five is to tie things together. There's no shortage of knots out there, is there? To wipe dirt and sweat from your face and neck, better you use a bandana than your palm. To blow your nose. It sounds funny, I know, but when you're in a critical situation, such as bugging out, clearing your nose will make you more focused on the situation at hand. Of course, you should still stockpile on disposable tissues, which makes better tinder for starting a fire anyway. Number eight, as a rag. Number nine, to hold small objects. Make a bag by tying opposite corners together to carry all sorts of things such as change, tinder, gravel for a water filter, etc. Use as a first stage water filter. By pouring water through the bandana to filter out large debris, you still need to boil before drinking. To mark a trail. Sometimes you may need to retrace your steps, leaving bandana strips along the trail or tying them to trees as you're hiking or bugging out could prove to be a lifesaver. To clean things you find in the dirt. Well, in a survival situation, even the smallest nail on the side of the road may save your life. A bandana will help you quickly clean found objects. Number 13, to remove hot pots from open fire. You need something that can hold heat long enough to effectively move hot plates, pots, and other hot materials with no hassle. 
You may have packaged surgical or work gloves, but those are useless against high temperatures. As a sling to secure that broken arm, for example, pack safety pins too. As a weapon, just fill with rocks, then tie into a bundle and hit your enemies hard. As a towel, bandanas are thin and easy to rinse. You never know when you might end up into the water and then have only a few minutes to dry yourself up and get moving. As a temporary wound dressing, use it for better grip on objects. Not only is a bandana perfect for pot holders, it also works extremely well as an extra grip for materials, wood, dirty tools, wet plastics, and glass, etc. As kindling to start a fire, obviously your bandana needs to be dry, otherwise you're going to have to try other ways to start a fire. To blindfold yourself, an ideal necessity when catching a noontime nap. Additionally, it keeps annoying pieces of debris and those nasty insects out of your sensitive areas around the eyes. By the way, you can also use the bandana against snow blindness. 21. As a tourniquet, you're also going to need a stick, but this is something a little more advanced, and you should probably only do it if you have the proper medical training. As a salad spinner, to remove extra water from salad leaves, make sure your bandana is clean and then put your salad inside and spin, spin it around and around. Forewarning, you might get a little wet. As handcuffs, in fact, bandanas can be tightened around the wrist within one minute flat. As a bib, easily unfold a bandana to protect your clothing. Simply tuck a portion of the bandana inside your shirt or top. As a coffee filter, Who won't enjoy a cup of coffee post-collapse? Along with alcohol and tobacco, it is going to be one of the most sought-after comfort items. Small pillow. Fill it with leaves. This will make it more comfortable for you to sleep in, in the woods. To gag someone. A bandana, or any rag for that matter, is an effective tool to keep someone silent. As an eye patch. If you haven't stored eye patch bandages, a simple bandana can help you secure a regular bandage over your eyeballs. To signal for help, since bandanas are available in pretty much any color, the brighter the color, the bigger your chance of being discovered. Toilet paper. Yes, some preppers think of using it post-collapse when toilet paper will be impossible to manufacture. There are other alternatives, of course, and a bandana is one of them. To write stuff on, you will need a permanent marker. A napkin. A bandana is a simple tool to use when cleaning hands and lips, as well as for quick wiping off a surface. Hat band. Bandanas are great for fastening to a hat to catch sweat before it ruins the fabric or to cover already stained fabric. Tie together for a belt. Fancy and effective. Take several bandanas in simulating colors and tie them together to enjoy certain factors and unique support for your trousers and shorts. To check wind direction, simply hold out a bandana and watch it blow to determine wind direction. This type of exercise is fantastic when dealing with campfires and setting up camp during both summer and winter months. Keychain. Loop keys into a bandana strip. Then tie the end of the bandana together to form a loop. This technique is ideal for attaching to most anything so you don't misplace valuable keys. To wrap a sprained ankle or wrist. Number 38. Replacement gas cap. Contrary to belief, a bandana is useful as a temporary gas cap on a vehicle, although not recommended for gas cans. Simply, super stuff the outermost outlet of the vehicle's gas tank until you can purchase a replacement. This assists in preventing detrimental levels of flammable vapor to get out into the atmosphere. 
Disguise your voice on the phone. This particular technique works more effectively than a noisy napkin or piece of paper to disguise your voice for fun. Simply place the bandana over the phone's receiver. Number 40. As a dog collar. As a simple and unique method of fashion, wrapping a bandana around your doggy's neck is a sure sign of ownership and it looks great too. Number 41. To wipe off fruit and vegetables. This is valuable to remember. Fruits and veggies have a natural coating that might be sanitized before consumption. Make sure to allocate a clean source of water to sanitize food, especially before eating raw or cooking. To open a stuck jar lid. To clean glasses. Easily wipe your glasses. Although a bandana is not a soft tissue, in emergencies, bandanas can do wonders on a dirty lens or two. As an ice pack. As a quick fix, pack a couple of handfuls of ice for easy transferring from one container to another. A larger bandana can hold over three cups of ice at a time. An attention-getting flag. Tie a bandana to a tree branch, a pole, or any tall object to attract attention of rescuers when you're lost. Number 46. To keep hair out of your face or tie up a ponytail. To cover food, plastic bags may be one of the things very hard to procure post-collapse, so why not use a bandana to keep your leftovers? Number 48. Hang flashlights from tent ceilings. This will spread the light uniformly over the entire place. As a dog muzzle, yep, it works if you don't have a real one. Just keep an eye out on your dog to make sure he doesn't get irritated or even out of breath. As a bookmark, I hope you stocked up on printed survival books. As a lamp shade, to keep your sunglasses safe, easily cover your, your glasses or contact lenses without fear of scratching the lenses. To wear as a disguise, this is tricky since it will make you look like a bandit and attract a lot of attention. Nevertheless, you should practice wearing it this way. One day you might have to. Like a sponge, as a toothbrush. Press the fingers into it and begin scrubbing and rubbing the teeth and gums. You can also add a teeth cleaning solution such as toothpaste or baking soda. Number 56. Footwear insole. Fold and position two bandanas inside each sole to avoid blisters as you're hiking or bugging out. Shoelaces. You're going to have to cut it into long strips first, of course. However, if you run out of shoelaces in a survival situation, I suggest you use paracord instead. As a tea bag, place your favorite tea leaves inside a bandana, give it a twist, then drop it inside a cup of hot water. Mint, peppermint, spearmint, and chamomile are great choices. As a bikini, women only. <laughs> okay. Number 60, as a knife sheath, place a piece of cardboard or a bunch of leaves into a bandana and watch as it simply molds around the dangerous blade for easy carrying and storage. All right, guys, I told you some of these are stretches. Uh, as earmuffs, for when it is cold and windy, wrap a bandana around your sensitive ears. Surprisingly, this method works nicely to protect the outer and inner ear from damaging winds and extreme temperatures. Number 62. To wear it on your head wet to keep cool. Dampen the bandana and place it on your head to lower your body's temperature. Number 63. As an insect repellent. <laughs> it only works manually. Number 64. To make smoke signals. First, wet the bandana, then use it to effectively move pockets of air from the smokestack, cover the source of smoke, and then remove the bandana from the direct path of smokestack. This can be a lot of fun too. Number 65, as an occupied signal outside a toilet. Simply tie a quick knot on the outside doorknob and hope people will get the message. To polish shoes, as a chew toy for playing tug of war with your dog. 
as a dog leash. You're going to need to tie several of them together, of course. Number 69, to check wind direction. This is a neat little trick to teach your kids while camping. Number 70, wrap leftover pancakes, biscuits, etc. Moisten a bandana and simply wrap leftover breads to prevent them from going stale. To remove oil and grease from bacon burgers or fried food after cooking in oil or grease, this may not necessarily be useful in a survival situation because you'll need to consume every ounce of food. Saturated fats may not be considered healthy today compared with other types of fat, but they're jam-packed with calories and you're going to need a lot of them post-collapse. Number 72, as a knee pad. Fold a larger bandana to fit around each knee area. Ensure to comfortably tighten them by utilizing an effective knot. You will be surprised by the comfort along with the exotic look of bandana knee pads. (laughs) Number 73, as an apron. Since bandanas don't have a very large surface, you can just tie them around with paracord or simply tuck them inside your pants. Number 74, to mark your territory. Simply cut it into pieces, urinate on each one of them, and place them around your campsite in all directions. Although not guaranteed, this will keep some wild animals away. Okay, those were it. Go ahead and give some of these a try now. It will be fun and will help you remember them later when you really need to use them for something. Head on over to Amazon's website and get an assortment of 100% cotton bandanas. Cotton is great for a fabric because it allows you to skin, it allows your skin to breathe. And one more thing. Can you remember a time when you used bandanas in an unconventional way? Let me know in the comments below. All right. So like I said, uh, really stretching it on some of these. Some of these are kind of funny and hilarious. But the, the fact remains that there's a lot of things that have multiple uses out there. And, uh, you know, bandanas are one and it just makes sense to kind of, kind of have it, you know, back in the day, everyone used to carry one, right? You know, my dad still carries a handkerchief around, uh, you know, all the time. And so he always has that available to him if he needs it. And a bandana kind of works the same, same way. Bandana would be just a a little bit uh, bigger than that, but uh, definitely something to, to keep in mind. There's a lot of uses for that as well. All right, guys. Well, that is it for episode 362. Thanks for spending your week with me. I really do appreciate your listenership and uh, all of those that are part of the Prepper website community, whether that is here listening on the podcast or coming over to Prepper website or hanging out on the Facebook group. And uh, really appreciate all of you guys. And uh, hey, don't forget that this uh, weekend, if you're looking for more preparedness information. We have a ton of it over at Prepper website. There's no way that I can ever get to to all of the great articles that we post over there on the podcast. And so we very, we touch the surface of the, of the good stuff that's over there. So if you're looking for more preparedness information, head on over to the Prepper website or I'm sorry, to PrepperWebsite.com. And uh, if you're wanting to check out past episodes of the podcast, you can head on over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.